Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the PR Week. That's PR Week's weekly podcast on everything going on in the worlds of PR and communications. My name is Frank Washcook. I'm your guest host for this week, and we have a terrific guest for you. It is Mark Penn, the principal of both MDC Partners and Stagwell Group, and soon to be chairman and CEO of the network formed from the combination of those two. So, Mark, welcome. Thank you. And also with us today to bring us up to speed on the biggest marketing and communications news of the week, including the inauguration of a brand new White House press secretary is PR Week's associate news editor, Diana Bradley. Diana, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. All right. Glad to have you aboard. So, Mark, lots to get to, including this week's inauguration of Joe Biden as the 46th president. But first, can you give us an update on the combination of MDC and Stagwell? How are things coming together? Sure. I'm I'm really looking forward to the to the next stages here as we file yet more documents uh, and <laughs> the, before the shareholders for a for a final vote on this thing, but but really, look, the excitement is around, you know, creating something as fantastic and and dynamic as really a new two billion dollar, you know, modern marketing company, which which really represents the fusion of really Stagwell, which really went from zero to nine hundred million dollars in cap revenue in the last five years, almost under the radar screen here, uh, and NBC, which has incredible. Uh, frontline creative agencies. And, and now I think together it really has the talent and technology that I think modern marketers are really looking for at a, at a growing scale uh, that, that I think is going to open up a lot of new potential clients for the group. Yeah, that's right. You you formed Stagwell, I think, about five years ago. Now, what what do you see as the big differentiator with the combined MDC and Stagwell, when you compare that to other holding companies or other networks? Well, uh, I was able really to start Stagwell fresh, you know, coming out as being chief strategy officer of Microsoft uh, and say, well, look, what if you approach marketing from a digital first perspective? How would you build it now with, without legacy companies? The kind of thing that I really wasn't able to do when I was at WPP. Uh, and I wanted to modernize person, frankly. And they said, well, yeah, that'll take this and maybe that and give us a few years here and there. And, and instead, I, we could build it up from, from the ground up, have the kind of combination of engineers, designers, performance uh, marketers, you know, create, have an engineering group with, with our own uh, digital products. I can do all those things, right? Because we started them from scratch. And now we can say, well, okay, but having grown to, to this level and, and, and showing that kind of strong growth in the marketplace. Let's also combine it with, you know, the award-winning, you know, talent and uh, ad creation that, that, that really exists in MDC. And a lot of other things exist in MDC as well. But, but I think that combination together is what, is what really sets, sets us apart in that these other holding companies were not digital first. They're in the way, they're right now in a process of, of kind of slimming down their organization, getting rid of assets. We're building it up with the most modern, talented, creative, digital first kind of assets. And we've gotten to a scale, you know, much larger than, than S4 or, you know, 
the other folks that really try to do this really didn't get very far uh, compared to what we've been able to do in the last five years. Who do you see as the potential competitors and the current competitors, of course, but who do you see as the potential competitors when, when you bring these two organizations together? I mean, is it the, the WPPs and the Omnicoms or is it more the Accentures and the, the consulting groups? Well, I, I think what happens today is in a typical large-scale pitch, they're going to consider, I think, one of each. And I think they're, they're considered a traditional holding company. And the traditional holding company, they'll conclude, well, you know, they're not quite as, as responsive. Uh, they have great global coverage, but, you know, the talent may not be, you know, as good or as nimble uh, or as creative as we really want. So I think they're going to find, they find some deficits in that. Of course, they, they sometimes don't and often award them business. And then they look at Accenture and Droga and say, well, they've got really a great digital spine here, but I don't really think the, you know, the, the creative, that's really only one option in the, in the creative. And, and I, I see us as a little bit more of the Goldilocks uh, of, of the crowd uh, in which, <clears throat> which we, really have that right combination, whether it's performance marketing or influencer marketing or platform building or digital design combined with, with the creativity that, uh, that they're looking for. I mean, we have over 650 just engineers uh, able to apply, uh, you know, against a, a strong digital problem. So, so I think that that right balance and, and of course we're going to be able to, and we'll build out more of the global marketplace again, as you need it, as opposed to, you know, having to have be in 128 countries, we'll be in 20. Believe we'll be in 23 countries together, and I and, and I think we're going to push that out to up to 30 or 35 in the next year or two. So you talked about hiring a lot of engineers and how that is different from a traditional holding company like WPP. I mean, what what were the other lessons you learned from working at Burst and working at WPP? or even working at Microsoft that, that informed what you're doing now? Well, I, I would say that I learned some good habits, uh, mainly financial management habits at, at some of the big holding companies, but that I, I didn't think that the talent was managed <clears throat> and rewarded the same way at a place that, as it was at Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And so I take really the good financial management, combine it with kind of really improved, uh, you know, talent management, uh, and, and create also, I, I think, a culture more of collaboration. I think, uh, you know, when, when I was in the holy company, uh, it was really designed. And I think, I think MDC of old was also designed for everyone to be an island, for everyone to compete against each other. And instead, kind of, I've redesigned it and designed Stagwell from the ground up to, to be all about collaboration together so that you're, you're really working together know each other, are a working group or incentivized that way. Uh, and, and I think that that really produces, you know, much, much better coordinated work, you know, for clients. Look, today, uh, a, a marketer can't do with just advertising and media placement. They need advertising, performance marketing, e-commerce, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, influencer marketing. They need to knit together, you know, five, six or seven different disciplines, you know, at a time to really have a successful campaign. And, and I think considering that that's the need, this is really where this new culture and operation shines. 
So MDC already has a stable that includes KWT. It includes Hunter Allison. Uh, Stagwell owns SKD Knickerbocker, part of Finn Partners. Um, what is the combination going to mean specifically for the, the PR firms in your businesses? Yeah, I think I think one thing, and, and a slightly aside, aside to that question, is that, um, you know, we looked at, at PR and some of the tools that people need. And the last year, we, we've actually built, and, and it shows you that how you can combine kind of PR know-how, you know, coming from, from Aaron Quicken, with uh, the fact that we've got a, a great client base, with the uh, engineering base that we have. So we've developed a, a product, Profit. Right, which I think uniquely comes out of out of out of the combination of the companies because Stagwell Technology built it and, and the MDC firm really conceived of it. And what we have is an annual Shark Tank competition for tech development. And and this product actually takes a release and it uses AI to predict how the release will be received and you know and which writers you know will receive it positively or negatively. So I think it's an incredible tool. I haven't seen anything, you know, quite like it. It's not perfect. No technology is, is incredibly perfect. But but frankly, it, it provides AI expertise uh, in, in analyzing potential coverage in, in a unique way. And so I think being able to build, get that to market and build even more products like that uh, is, is a very unique asset of the combination. And I think, look, we've got Allison and Hunter. These are very strong. I mean, if you look at our... Our, our communications firms here, Allison, you know, Hunter, uh, SKDK, uh, a targeted victory has a, has a strong, uh, you know, uh, a public relations uh, communications element as, as well. Uh, and then you look that we've got Ray Day as vice chairman who, who really comes off of being, you know, a CCO at Ford and IBM. Uh, I think you look at the range of skills here. Everything through kind of crisis and issues management, where I think they're extremely strong, through an incredible you know client practice uh, over at Allison. I think it's a very strong combination. Yeah, I think I think Ray Day was was a, an excellent hire, and I think it, it definitely raised some eyebrows for you guys. Uh, any any plans to make any acquisitions in, in the PR space in the future as you bring this all together? Uh, I think we're going to continue to expand the global network in, in PR. I think I think Allison. In particular, has a long way to go. Uh, I think SKDK has has a long way to go. We we recently made some acquisitions that extended. In fact, we, as you know, we also brought Sloan over from from MDC. I, I think both of those will have you know, will have acquisitions, and and particularly, I, I think international acquisitions. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you make of the economy going? Well, we're in twenty twenty one now, but as we as we fully get in swing here. Um, what do you make of the state of the broader economy right now? Uh, it's it's a little perplexing to read it. I mean, I think I think the the people have kind of figured out, you know, unless you're a restaurant, unless you're an airline, unless you're in the most directly affected industries, then you've kind of figured out how to operate, or how you should be operating, or how you should be on more online, or how you should have contactless, uh, you know, transactions. People have adapted to this. In fact, now we're going to have a process, I think, you know, I think April will really represent a, a kind of a tipping point here, at which point a significant number will be vaccinated uh, and you'll begin to see things kind of, I, I think, transformed in the summer where travel will, 
will will come back and people will be looking to really it's it's almost like getting out of hibernation you know it'll be a year and a quarter of, of hibernation in many ways for hundreds of millions of people uh, so I really look to the summer as a as, as an incredible time and pick up in the economy and I think the economy right now, has a lot of problems with it, which are being addressed to somewhat with stimulus and a lot of areas that that have adapted. I can tell you, I personally are looking forward to getting out of hibernation uh, by this summer. So fingers crossed. Um, you mentioned S four before. What do you what do you make of what uh, Sir Martin is doing with his his new network, his new holding company? Well, look, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I worked with him when when he was against everything he's for now. Had he been for everything he was against, I might actually have stayed because um, I think that was really the primary area of, of conflict. Look, I, I think uh, he paid very high prices. Uh, it was in some of the some of the some of the bidding, and uh, I think he's banked more on the. Um, uh, on the on the in-house marketplace, and and I think the in-house marketplace is is a little bit more of a fad in that corporations go in-house just as they become you know every few years dissatisfied with their agency, no matter how good they also become dissatisfied with their in-house operation. Only it then becomes trickier to change, and then some cost-cutting thing comes along, and and the digital marketplace uh, is more complex. Than old style advertising it would have been so much easier to produce a few TV ads in house and put them put them on TV, but and and because the cross scale uh, of the marketplace means that agencies have an added benefit that only maybe the top ten or fifteen marketing companies could possibly get, uh, and 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 so so consequently, uh, I don't I don't think that's the that is the in the long run the most successful marketplace to be in. All right, interesting perspective on that. So I'm I'm dying to get your point of view on because you you have worked in this space. You worked for President Bill Clinton. Uh, how would you rate the inauguration yesterday uh, of Joe Biden as the 46th president, given all of the challenges between security and the pandemic and and everything else? How how would you say the inauguration went for Biden and for the Democrats? Well, look. If you judge things by the coverage, you couldn't possibly have gone any better. It received a glowing, almost fawning coverage. And it was good. There was really nothing to, you know, I, I, I think the, the absence of the prior president, I think that, that only reflected poorly on the prior president. And I, I think the, you know, the speech was good. Everything, you know, everything was really well, well produced and, uh, and, and really well received. And the speech, had some key lines in it, you know, about uh, about being uncivil, you know, uh, ending the uncivil war. So, so I think that that it it went really well. Uh, what I think was missing, and what I'm really I'm a little puzzled about, and I haven't followed the the the, the trends today, is that is that although I saw the press secretary addressing the press, is the president going to actually take questions from a press corps for more than ten minutes? And to take the kind of questions and press conferences that I certainly remember uh, being with President Clinton on, and that Obama did, and that Trump did, or 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 are we just going to hear from the press secretary? I mean, that to me is uh, is the big open question here in terms of press coverage of the administration that uh, I assume we'll see answered over these next couple of days. Yeah, that's a fair question. I think it's something we 
all have an eye on. How would you say that Jen Psaki did uh, in her first briefing? Uh, in the I, briefing room? I, I thought she did very well. I mm-hmm. thought she was articulate. She was responsive. Like all press secretaries, she tells you the questions she's going to answer. She's going to tell you the ones that, well, you might as well not ask it because I'm not <laughs> answering that one. Uh, and uh, I thought she was professional. She was efficient. She was articulate. And uh, and uh, she knew what she was going to answer and what she wasn't. So let's let's say theoretically that the, the president asked you for advice on on what what he should prioritize, what he should focus on in terms of the communication strategy uh, at the beginning of his term. What what advice would you give him? Well, he has a central communications theme. That communications theme is unity. So the, what what you're concerned about here is is that communications theme disrupted, which you can kind of tell quite quite easily from polling numbers. This is a pretty easy question. You know, to, <clears throat> I, I know from polling that 65% of the public thinks that uh, Biden won, 32% thinks he didn't, or whatever percent don't know. That means you can forget about getting the 32, but it means you really can get up to as high as 65. We used to have Clinton's approval in the 70s, uh, which is no something no president has had since then. Uh, and And so the question is, do, are you able to communicate the unity message or or do things kind of go off the rails that way? The right disrupts that message. The left, uh, you know, uh, the left comes in here and also, you know, provides ammunition against the message. So that means you've got to have show show what unity means, how you're going to do it, what events you're going to stage. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful with what you've outlined as your primary message. What does Biden or his team have to say to the public about the pandemic? Is there one theme or one thing he should focus on with that? Well, I think I think constant information, assurance that the right people are in charge. I mean, again, I think the previous president did not run it even remotely the way we would have done it with with Bill Clinton. We would have, you know, we would have had, you know, a general out there every day, you know, with a briefing, we, we would have showed a, 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 you know, always on top of every issue, even if you, you're not really solving them. Uh, and, and obviously kind of, you know, you know, not make it personal to, to the president as much as having an efficient, visible operation, providing a, a primary source of information uh, and, and really understanding and showing that they understand what's happening in the country and what has to happen. Of course, you have to reduce it and get over it. But I do think the basic tool, the vaccine, right, combined with, you know, mask wearing and, and, and distancing, but, but most importantly, the vaccine should end this thing in the next six months. So if you're not getting the vaccine out, you're not on top of that, and you're letting a decentralized system not be as efficient as possible, you're not maximizing the result you need. Mark, excellent, fascinating stuff. I want to move it over to Diana Bradley right now, who is going to uh, talk to us about a few of the biggest marketing and communications news of the week. So first of all, uh, Diana, you wrote up something about Jen Psaki's first briefing, and it looks like it's getting good reviews from uh, PR pros across the across the spectrum, so to speak, right? Yes. Um, So just as an overview of um, what she actually talked about, she promised to bring truth and transparency to her exchanges with the news media and took questions from almost every reporter. 
Um, and she said she has a deep respect for the role of a free and independent press in our democracy and pledged to hold daily uh, briefings safe for weekends. And um, something else of note that she said was that there will be moments where we disagree, but we have a common goal, which is sharing accurate information with the American people. So generally, social media users um, viewed her press conference as delightfully sane. <laughs> um, and uh, looking around social media at what communicators specifically um, on both sides of the political aisle were saying, um, it, they were highly praising her first press briefing um, under the Biden administration. Steve Schmidt, who helped run George W. Bush's 2004 presidential campaign and spearheaded John McCain's 2008 White House bid, tweeted that um, she was incredible to watch. There are no words to describe my feelings of elation. See behind <laughs> the podium and the degenerate liars of the last four years relegated to the ash heap of history. It's Steve not- might be um, he might be hamming it up a little, just just a little bit with that <laughs> yeah. one, of course. Of uh, course, he's more recently of of uh, Project Lincoln and uh, yeah. Edelman before that. Um, yeah. But you know, I watched a, I watched a bit of it last night, and and she did dodge some questions for sure. Um, but it, it was it did sort of feel like a, a return to normal. And it, yeah. uh, you know, there was no dispute over the crowd size. There was, there was nothing, um, there was nothing too out of the ordinary. It just sort of felt like getting back to normal. Now she's, she's going on, we're, of course we're recording this on Thursday. She's, she's going on again today at four. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how it, ha- how it happens on a day-to-day basis after this. Um, Diana, tell us about one of the one of the more respected uh, chief communications officers out there, Turad Neptune. He has moved into a new interesting role. Yep. So he has joined Medtronic as SVP and chief communications officer, effective February first. Um, he will report to Medtronic CEO Jeff Martha and serve as a member of the company's executive committee while leading global communications and corporate marketing for the medical device maker. Um, And he replaces Rob Clark, who left Medtronic to join ExxonMobil as head of global communications in September. Um, So currently, Tarad is a worldwide group VP and chief communications officer at Lenovo Group. And Charlotte West, um, who is executive director of global corporate communications will serve as interim chief communications officer at Lenovo. Every time you talk to Tarad, he always has his finger on the button of what's happening out there. So we wish him well in the new role. Uh, I was talking to uh, a colleague of ours over at MM&M, our sister publication within Haymarket, and they were just saying Medtronic is just, it is blowing up as a medical device company and there is a lot happening there. So uh, he will, he'll be busy in that role. Okay, just give us a quick roundup as we wrap things up uh, on some new appointments at BCW and at Marina Mar Communications. Sure, so um, BCW has hired Christina Lucky as EVP and Brand Solutions Practice Lead for North America. Um, And she started in the role this week on Wednesday, uh, based in Dallas, and she will report to BCW President of North America, Chris Foster. Um, She'll be responsible for leading and growing the practice across the region. 
Um, and then at Marina Mar, uh, there was several uh, new senior leaders appointed there. Um, earlier this month, the agency named Amy Inzanti as its new chief strategy officer, and she replaces Joy Deep Day, who left the agency last year. Um, and then the agency also recently promoted James Ferber um, to executive creative director, and um, they hired Yvette Oso for the new role of MD and business strategist. So a string of hires over at MMC and one really good hire over at BCW. Diana, thanks for all of those. Mark, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. Really fascinating insight into the world of the holding company you're, you're building and also into the early days of the Biden administration. So thanks again for joining us. One thing just to mention to the audience, if you still want to get entries in for our Hall of Femme 2021, you can still do that. There's an extended deadline into next week, but you have to hurry. So uh, file those soon if you're looking to honor someone within your organization. That's all the time we have for this week on the PR Week. Thanks again to our guest, Mark Penn, and to Diana Bradley, and we will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit prweek.com.